This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. In Season 2, Episode 9, entitled The One About Being Seen, Peter Stretton Stephens can surely entertain an audience, but with the global pandemic, he searches for a way so that his message can still be deeply felt. Hi, Paul. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me. Sure. So what would you like coaching on today? Well, I have one particular issue, and in, in, in my line of work, I'd like to do more videos, but I'm sight impaired, and I can't necessarily figure out whether I'm in the frame or not, uh, and how that will be perceived by other people. And I have had one comment in the past based on a photograph that um, I were talking to somebody and they said, oh yeah, I thought you were sight impaired from your photograph. I don't know how they would detect that, <laughs> but um, it's kind of stuck. Hmm. So what I'm hearing from you is that in your line of work, you want to do more videos, but there is some bit of apprehension there. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great. So what would be a great outcome for today's session? Uh, just to explore that a little bit more and, uh, yeah, just to explore that and then come to an outcome where I feel more comfortable on pursuing that. Okay, great. So to become more comfortable pursuing the outcome of being more on video. Is that correct? Yes. Great. So when you think of you being perceived on video, what conjures up for you? You know, I really don't know. This is the thing. It's the not knowing, I think. I mean, this is the beauty of working with somebody like you because coaches are coach, but they don't always have to be, are able to work on their own issues. And it's nice to get a different perspective on that and somebody else to probe and ask questions and be deeper on that. So I really don't know what I can expect. I mean, I do go on panel discussions, live panel discussions, and, and I'm perfectly fine with that, no problem at all. I think it's like talking to the video and having no response. And then you don't know what the outcome is the other end. Mm. So it's going on video and then having that non-response. What would you like for the response to be? Uh, positive. Engaging. Have there been in other situations in, in your life where it's just you and the camera? 
Have there been other situations? No, I don't think there is. No. And no. why do you think that being on camera would be a benefit for your business? Well, it's always good for people to hear your voice. Uh, it's also good for them to see you. They get used to you. They become accustomed to you. And it's more personal. So when you're sitting there in front of the camera, what happens in your body? What happens in my body? My thoughts are, am I aligned? Am I in shot? If I move, what do they see? That's kind of what happens. Hmm. I'm curious, would you like to try a little experiment with me? Yeah, go for it. Great. So just want you to get comfortable in your seat. If you feel inclined, you can close your eyes or soften your gaze. Just want you to take three deep breaths in and three deep breaths out. I just want you to visualize yourself sitting in your normal seat and the camera in front of you. And just tell me what's going on. All I perceive really is the outer edge of the camera because it has like a blue LED light. And I'm conscious that I shouldn't move from where I am because I don't know if I actually move out of frame or not, either up or down or left or right. I guess I'm wondering if it matters if I am out of frame and whether that's more, not authentic, but for more natural. What's happening emotionally in and around you? I guess it's that unfamiliar feeling of anxiety a little bit. Yeah, I'd say it's that. And what's happening sort of in your thought process as you're doing the talk or, or the speech or whatever? Interesting. I don't know because I, I know my message. I know what I want to say, how I want to say it. I'm well practiced and well versed and know the, know the information. And occasionally it's, am I still there in frame? You know, what, what, what can the other person see? So you know your message, but you're still thinking about what can the other person see? What do you think someone yeah. like me watching would see? I don't know. I think it depends on what I'm saying, how animated I am, because if I was to speak on stage, I walk and talk. 
and that's more difficult in, in front of a computer. You, you definitely had a frame then. Um, so I think being restricted in, in, in front of a camera is, is also limiting. So are there any action steps in your life that you can create to change that? Hmm. My immediate thought is to have a camera that tracks you, but I, I don't know that even exists. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it tracks the movement, but I don't know. Uh, just practice and practice and just get used to being there yeah. and uh, recording and getting other people to see it and getting their feedback. Is there any um things you can do physiologically that can help you i think i prep quite well for for talking in front of the camera we've been doing it a long time on lockdown now and i've been doing it before then as well but now i feel there's more of a need to be doing videos for example I, I want to do some online courses and things like that and I guess it's just playing with positioning sorting out positioning uh, making sure things are in alignment and there's this uh, element of independence in there I think as well because if I was to move right back to the back wall where I am now and have a lapel mic on, I would have no idea if I was in line or not because I'd be so far away from the camera as opposed to the position I'm in now where I know I'm directly in front of it. Is there, I'm curious, is there anything you could do to the camera itself that can make you more comfortable? I've tried that. I've tried... Uh, I've upgraded the camera so it's um, it automatically focuses. But having said that, only automatically focuses if you are in frame. And whilst that was good and works, uh, it's still this thing is you know it's almost as if I'm wondering if somebody only saw half of my head because you know I couldn't see that the, what they're seeing. Does it matter? Is it professional? Does it come across as professional? Does it come across as natural? And it's trying to meet that particular need. And how long are your typical videos that you shoot? Or anything from three to 15 minutes. Okay. So if you shot the video and you found out after viewing it that it didn't meet your requirements, what would you do then? shoot it again <laughs> and time's a factor time's a premium these days so you know if you've got a plan to do mm, a dozen videos um, and th the other side of that is as well but I, I know what I want to say on that but obviously a lot of people do videos do, run with a script and have a, an auto cue in front of them that doesn't work with me <laughs> so I have to either remember it 
or I have to have an earpiece in there where somebody's speaking to me in advance, a recorded message of it, speaking to me in advance, and I have to keep up with that. So it has that added dimension there. Which very often I don't use that because people are wondering why you've got an earpiece in. Yeah. So I, I'm quite, you develop quite a memory. Yeah. So are there any tools or resources in your life that can create this dynamic for you while you're, you know, while it's just you and the video screen? Not that I'm aware of. I think I've explored quite a lot of different avenues of trying to do this. Um, things like um, holders for the mobile phone, maybe do that there on a on a stand where it's gripped or with a, an SLR is far more difficult with the settings. I have to say that even though when you have a remote button, you still have to do the settings and that's not easy, I have to say. <laughs> um, and the computer's the easiest. You know, the, the mobile phone and the computer. Actually, well, the mobile phone is, is more difficult because you have a much smaller frame um, to deal with. Uh, I'm curious, what's behind the camera itself when you're recording? Um, soundboards. Can there be anything creative you could do with them? I don't know. Um, I, I don't see what the point would be because I wouldn't be able to see it. Mm. <laughs> you know, I could put a picture there or anything or something there. I mean, I'll, uh, I, I see light and dark. I, I only see things when they're really blown up large in front of me. Mm. So, no, I don't, I don't know. So, Paul, if someone watched the video where, I don't know, half your head is not in center and it's a little fuzzy, what do you feel would be the sort of the perception of that? Unprofessional in the professional world. Unprofessional in the professional world. And that would do what to your business or life well I don't think people would take you so so seriously you know and you don't want to say on every video oh by the way you know the, the video might not be a good quality you know I'm trying to be natural here but I'm, I'm sighted pair and I can't really control the camera very well they go okay so what <laughs> you know you don't want to be saying that every time yeah are there any social support in your life that could maybe help you in this regard not during lockdown no um, not during lockdown hmm. so if i could offer a resource for you if you're open to it yeah sure sure so there's this um tool called pivo p-i-v-o i use it and it actually tracks your movements as you're recording um, oh really yeah it's a small little device it can it attaches to a ring uh, light, which which mine does, and it, it attaches your mobile phone, and then it actually can track your movements as you're talking. Ah, oh, super. Never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So Paul, I'm just curious, just generally, like how can you create more accountability to, you know, beyond this device that I mentioned to just get more comfortable with you and the camera, especially during lockdown? Well, I'd already joined a group online and it's, it's really good. It enables you to practice speaking on, on camera. Even if you've done it before, it's just good for the practice and you get feedback from other people and you give feedback to other people. And I just continue doing that because that's, it is really useful. It's very, very effective. And it's just my personal side. Um, to, to give you an, an indication here is the, prior to losing a lot of sight, I used to, I used to be in an occupation where I was stand up and talking in front of a hundred people, thousand people, no problem at all. You know, on a stage, not not a, not not an, not an issue. But then things change because when you can't see your audience, you can't see the reaction, you can't see the engagement, you can't see the nods of the head or the smiles or whatever. Also, if you walk and talk like I was accustomed to doing, you don't know if you're walking into danger, cables, lecterns, all sorts of things on stages. You know, you know, there's all sorts there, isn't there? So what I did, I joined Toastmasters to overcome that. I said, okay, I, I'm not unsure what to do here now. Okay, where can I go and practice and where I can you know, adapt and, and as normal? And that worked really well. Of course, then we hit lockdown. So I said, ah, okay, more video then. And that's when I realized that this, this difficulty um, was there. Mm. And it's another thing just to overcome and adapt. And uh, when I came across you and what you're doing, I thought, well, that's a good opportunity to discuss this particular issue because it's it's something I want to work on. And we all have something we want to work on. Yeah. yeah. So has the Toastmasters transitioned to virtual? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Since last February. And what were some of the positive benefits you received from that? You get feedback, but you don't necessarily get feedback from people who are used to evaluation. Mm. So you, you, you get feedback, which is fine. Um, but I wanted more feedback in more of a, like a professional setting. Mm. Uh, hence joining the other group, uh, because they're all professional people. Got it. Besides Toastmasters, are there any other clubs or groups that could maybe get you slightly further along this way uh, I have looked and I haven't really found that many online um, and if I want in Australia and the time difference was a bit problematic one till three in the morning um, is <laughs> you, you don't perform your best at that time of the night yeah. and <laughs> but what I've continued some to look and what were some of those classes? Like, what are some of those classes? Well, a lot of them about pre pre presentation skills and how to develop your speaking and your topics. And I'm fine with all that. Mm. I'm fine with all that. I'm quite happy to teach that myself <laughs> if I was able. I mean, I don't teach public speaking these days because in fairness to the, the potential client, I can't actually see what they're doing from a physical point of view. So I... I, I I refer them to other people who can do that. So, but a lot of the groups are other people who are setting out on the public speaking road. Mm. 
Have you ever looked into something like improv? No, I haven't. I suppose I could do. What do you suppose it might give you? Alternative approaches. Yeah. That's a good idea. Improv. Never thought of that. So with all sort of that we spoke about in terms of you getting more uncomfortable with the camera, especially during lockdown, how does this all land for you um, in your body? What the positive aspects we've spoken about? The improv, etc. Hmm. No, that feels that feels warm and fuzzy, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> and the warm and fuzzy is where in your body right now? On the head. In in the head. Is there any way or any desire to move that closer to any other part of your body? I don't know yet because I think that's only just sort of come through as a suggestion. So I think it's still processing. Is this sort of concern of yours similar to any other concerns in your life? Uh, it's, it's, no, it's no. I'm pretty much on the even keel on most things, and this is one thing that stands out, which is why I selected it as an issue. Because mm. it's just it's an unusual occurrence for me. Yeah. Because I think it's just um, when you have a sort of lack of vision and you can't see whether you're in alignment, and you have that feeling and you that doubt and those that anxiety that goes with that. When everything else, you know, I have full command of a computer and mobile with voice and speech to text, text to speech, etc. But cameras don't speak to you, do they? <laughs> you know, so you don't get any feedback from it, really. And that's, I think that's, that's a different thing. You don't get feedback from it until somebody sees it. So while you're actually in the process of doing it, you just don't get feedback from it. And if the feedback is immediate, what's the emotional reaction for you? Well, if the feedback comes in and says you need to do this, this or this because it's not not working or whatever, then you can adjust. You can physically adjust and that's fine. And then on the opposite extreme, since it's a delayed response, what's that feeling like? If I was to record a video now and then send it to a friend to look at, the time they've given me the feedback, 
which could be tomorrow, later today or whatever, for me to go back and correct anything, I'd have to do the whole setup again and still be unsure as to whether it's right or not. <laughs> Is there a place of equanimity between those two extremes? I'm not sure there is. Um, what I'm not looking for is perfection because I don't believe we should get to that point of having to be perfect and everything, but being acceptable. Yeah. In what way? Well, it could be something could be a bit rough around the edges and still be acceptable. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your, all the glitter and the bling and the and the lights and the you know everything else. Yeah. As long as it's acceptable and you you can be seen and clearly and being able to convey your message uh, in a in a professional manner. You know, we're not all. TV presenters in studios, you know, these days, but, you know, people do that in their, in their own homes or in their own office or whatever, and, and that's fine. When you record these videos, what's the purpose? Share a message. Help people. It, gives, it scales learning. And I'm really passionate about scaling learning because if I work one-on-one -on -one with somebody, that's fine, or in a group setting, that's fine. But with the video and the podcast I do, it scales that. More, reaches more people. More people get the, a chance to listen to a technique or set of techniques that can help them move forward, create a best future for them. And do you feel that if the video isn't to your, level, your standard, that that would fall on deaf ears? It fall on some deaf ears because I think people expect there's so much out there these days that there is a lot of competition in terms of video so you have to have a certain level of quality in fact you know in order to broadcast one you need a level of quality is there any way that you could create more exploration into making sure that that's perfected for you Without going into outsourcing video production, which is, again, we're in lockdown, so that's one of the options I was looking at, but it's, it's more problematic these days, obviously. Um, I'm not sure is the answer to that. So given something that I can we, explore, though. Yeah, so given that we sort of talked about maybe bringing in some type of tech tool or maybe exploring another type of um, class or course. When do you think you'd start? ASAP. <laughs> I don't like to hang around. <laughs> and how could you create accountability around that, starting ASAP? Oh, if the course was, I don't know, six weeks online, then I'd just do the whole six weeks online. You know, you just sign up and 
and do it. Okay, perfect. Well, Paul, we're pretty much at time here, but you know, I always like to leave my uh, clients with sort of an overall sort of theme of today's conversation. What do you think that would be? Keep exploring other avenues. Ask lots of people about things that can help. I mean, you just mentioned something, PIVO. I've never heard of it. And I've spoken to lots of people about this subject and nobody's come up with that. <laughs> so thank you for that. But you do need to widen your research and really speak to a lot of people and, and engage people and, and find out information. And especially if it's a, a new, new, newish topic, you know, if you want to achieve something, which I want to achieve, then I need to find out as many avenues as possible that will help me do that. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed also you sort of perked up when you're sort of speaking about the ex the exploration uh, of new things. Why is that so important for your life? Well, it's always forward, it's forward momentum, isn't it? You know, we all think about the future. And that's, that's part of it, is, is exploring. Because you never know what the possibilities are out there. Excellent. I love it. All right, Paul, so now we're going to transition into sort of the interview section. So tell my audiences, you know, what does Paul Stratton Stevens do? Well, I'm a future mindset coach and a future thinking strategist. I've written some fiction. I'm an author too. I speak. And I generally work with difference makers who to help them impact their own worlds so that they can then impact the worlds of others. So anybody, managing directors, other coaches, anybody who wants to make a difference in the world that needs a helping hand along the way, maybe needs that accountability or needs some insight on how their, their foresight and their future thinking. Sometimes it needs habit changing habit forming and I work on the premise that the mindset you've got today where you are today you've got to that point based on your yesterday's mindset if you want to become somebody else or you want to create something else you need to craft a future mindset that might mean you bring some of the skills and expertise from the past to the future with you and some of those things you eliminate because they don't serve you well but you craft that future mindset around that for whatever you want to do, whether it's a project, a new career, re-educate, move, go and live on an island, whatever you want to do, you can craft a future mindset for that. And what has been some stumbling blocks you find in your work? In the work? Hmm. don't have many stumbling blocks at all in my work per se but the clients have the stumbling blocks that's why and, they come to me in the first place and what are what are some main ones that that you find your clients having a fear of the unknown they want to make a change they want to do something different but they're like fearful of of doing that and i and i get it because if some clients are i don't know in their 40s or 50s for example i mean i work with younger people too but those particular clients they're 
they've got a family, they've got the children, they've got the house, they've got the car, they have the holidays, they've got the occupation, the profession they've been in for a while. And they think, but they're not fulfilled and they want to do something different. But that means they have to maybe sacrifice something they've been comfortable with for quite a long time. And we work through that. Sometimes it's easing it gently. Sometimes they choose to do it as a, you know, whole, okay, kind of cut this and move on and create this. And that's fine. But a lot of that depends on their, their resources um, that they have, at, you know, at hand. The other side of things are I work with uh, Epic Adventurers as well. Um, I work with a team, for example, well, yeah, this time last year, three ladies did a, a, a row across the Atlantic. Wow. And uh, they're now the three fastest female rowers on the planet, having completed the, the Atlantic crossing in 49 days. And they had the ambition, they had the drive, they had the determination. And when, they first, when we started working, they said, okay, what do I do with these people there? Because they've got all this. But they have fears of their own. How to tackle this, how to communicate, how to resolve conflict if, if need be, how to resolve monotony of rowing through treacle, you know, for 49 days or through storms and how to, how to overcome these, these feelings. And so the, the work ranges from, you know, a CEO who wants a new project to an epic adventurer, to a sports person, to a coach who coaches others. There's always somebody who wants to work with a particular issue or to improve themselves or to move forward. And the I always say to them, when does your future start? And of course, when does your future start? Dot, 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 now. The very next moment is the start of your future. And they get that now. You know, these, these people I've worked with, they, they understand that. And everything we're working towards is that future, their best future. And uh, helping them craft that in partnership is really rewarding. I would love for you to sort of tell my listeners about sort of your trials and tribulations to getting where you are today. Okay. I was first switched on to mindset. Um, I'll go back a little bit before that, though. Just I'll do this in the pricey version. We could be here all day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I used to serve in the military. Uh, I was super fit, shall we say. Um, I left the military and trained to be a physical education officer in the UK Home Office. And with that, you end up with... Mm, it's a long, intense course. It's about 18 months long in national sports centres. You end up with about eight to ten sporting activity coaching qualifications. That was my foray into coaching. And automatically when people think of a sports coach, they think, oh, we're just teaching the sports discipline. No, it's more holistic than that because not everybody turns up to training fully motivated, fully ready to do the work. They've got boyfriends, they've got girlfriends, they've got relationship issues, they've got money issues, they've got home issues, you know, the car trouble, whatever something on their mind that's distracting them from being fully committed and fully motivated at any particular moment. Not every day, but it happens. So as a coach, you have to deal with that with the individuals. And if you're coaching teams, you've got team dynamics as well, on top of that, as well as the individuals. So having done that for 10 years, 
that gave me a really good grounding in coaching. And then I had a serious back injury, second operation. And that didn't work out so well. I was medically, medically retired with paralysis of the left leg. And I remember being in the hospital months later, going for a follow-up appointment. And I was sat in the waiting room and there was a guy there who'd had a, the same operation as me in the same place and around about the same age. And he was in a dark place. He was sat there with his wife and his head was down and he wouldn't engage in conversation or eye contact or anything. And his wife just shook, shook her head as if to say, no, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to play sort of thing. And I thought, wow. I said, well, what's the difference here? Because he's in that position. I've enrolled in re-education to do a degree in business management here. I've learned to play the saxophone. I've done, done computer courses to bring me up to, up to speed. And we had the operations at the same time. And he's in that place and I'm in this place. I said, why is that mindset dude so different? And that was, that's what really switched me on to mindset. And from that point on, I mean, I did the degree and entered into teaching and uh, ended up a head, a head teacher, I think, in the stage you call him a principal of a school and used all my coaching throughout my teaching, throughout coaching public speaking with students and with staff and coaching staff. So that's always been there. And that mindset, that attitude of anything's possible. Come on, let's get this done. And I remember, and we entered a new qualification for our students for public speaking because we thought the students would benefit from that. And some of them were asking for it. And they knew they were going into a world where they're required to speak in public. And we used to do as much as we could in the school to get them to have those opportunities. But there was a course that came up. And it was a new one for us. And you could enter, enter people in at bronze, silver or gold. And being a new course, you don't really know how to pitch it. So I just said, okay, we'll just go for gold. We'll enter everybody in at gold. So the first dozen students, all 18-year-olds ready to go to university, we'll, we'll just enter at gold and we'll, we'll work towards that. So when it came to the evaluation, some months later, 11 got gold and one got silver. Because we had, what I conveyed in coaching them was, there was no other possibility but to achieve gold. You do your best, and that's what we're aiming for, and we, and we really go for that. And week on week on week on week, building and building and building that, building their skills and their experience and their confidence. And that's what the result was. 11 golds, one silver. And from that point on, we, we enrolled 200 students a year into, into public speaking courses. So that's part of what I've, I've been doing. And when I suffered the loss of significant sight loss. I'm, I'm currently sight impaired because I would say currently sight impaired because tomorrow it might not be the case. Anything's possible. But that's when I thought, well, I can still enter back into the coaching world on a full-time basis rather than being another occupation and use the coaching skills. I can do this now because with speech-to-text software, text-to-speech, my phone speaks to me, I speak to it, I speak to people, I listen intently to people, more intently now than, I used to class myself as a deep listener now, I always say I'm a super deep listener now because I listen to everything. And that comes from when you lose a certain amount of one sense, you don't 
necessarily gain the others, you just become more in tune because you heighten those senses. So that's where I am today. And it wow. works really well. Wow. So I'm curious, what's been a joy of yours in this work? And what's been something that's a work in progress? A real joy is... And this happened with a client this morning, actually. It really is interesting, is seeing the progress, seeing working in partnership, working in tandem, helping somebody get from one, where they were to where they want to be, and them realising where they were and where they are now. And that realisation and those eureka moments along the way, that's the joy. That really is. And what's the work in progress that you often see? The work in progress is sometimes with some of the issues with people you work with, those things don't come to fruition until you finish your coaching program. So if I work with somebody for three, six or nine months, depends on the, the complexity of the issue or, or the, the project they want to do. Very often you do all the groundwork. And they continue to do all, the, all that work. They continue to, they've developed the habits, they start moving on, they start gaining momentum, et cetera, et cetera. And then that comes later on. Their success comes later on. And they'll, well, I think everybody comes back and says, oh, by the way, I'm doing this now, I've been doing that now, because you keep in contact with people. And that really is joyful then as well. But you don't always see that happening because it comes later. And I think that's a work in progress. I love how you sort of express that. I'm sort of, in, in you talking about it, what have you found for most clients that, are there blind spots? Confidence is huge. You can, you, you can have CEOs of really large organizations and they come across as super confident to a lot of their subordinates. And inside, some of, them, some of them are just cringing at certain aspects of life or work. You know, really competitive people sometimes lack confidence in certain areas of life and work. And we can all get knocked by confidence in a, in a certain area. Um, for example, me today with a camera. That, that, that for me, I suppose, is a bit of a knock on confidence because I'm not really 100% about it. And... We're all human. We're all human. But confidence really stands out from a lot, for a lot of people. And they might not come with a, the view that it's confidence. They might come with the view that, you know, they're having difficulty because of a particular project or they've had a setback and they just want to move forward and get away from the setback. But then a lot of the crux of a lot of the things is you know, there is a lot of confidence in there. And when I talk to them about mindset, we start with developing mindset. We do it from a holistic point of view about body and mind. So, for example, I talk with clients and say, well, okay, well, what's your nutritional habits? You know, what are your sleep habits? What are your exercise habits? Because, you know, it, there's scientific evidence to prove that the exercise improves brain power, for example. And we, we cover all those aspects in helping them craft that future mindset for their success, for their best future. So it's really holistic. And if we feel that, for example, I don't know, a particular client needs a nutritionist, for example, then we'll find them a suitable nutritionist. 
or a personal trainer for physical exercise or whatever. So although I'm working with the mindset side of things and helping from that point of view and their future-oriented strategy, part of that will bring in other experts for them if they need it. And how do you suppose if someone is struggling with confidence that they can cultivate that? It does depend on the individual and to to develop that confident mindset is to be well-informed, is to stick your toe in the water frequently until you build up that confidence to put the whole foot in the water and then slowly emerge into the water to, to gain that full confidence. And for some people, that's quicker than others. People go, oh, okay, got to stick my toe in the water. Okay, boom, they plunge in, they come back out. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Other people, it's really with trepidation. They go, oh, okay, do I really need to do this? Well, okay, do you want to be more confident? And then we work out a strategy for them to do that. And they once they've done it a few, few times, and you, it's really interesting when they've done it two or three times and they're still a bit reticent. You go, okay, and we explore all the feelings like you did with me earlier on, and we go through you know, how they feel and how it could be better and what environment could make it better and how they could set themselves up for success, etc., and then when they've put their foot in the water, that's a big deal. And the real trick here is to celebrate the milestones along the way. So the very first time they put their toe in the water, get them to celebrate it in whatever way they want to do that, whether they want to buy themselves a box of chocolates or have a glass of wine, whatever it is that suits them. And then when they do the next step, a little bit further, a little bit deeper, celebrate that milestone too. And those small celebrations along the way are really, really important. Yeah, I totally wholeheartedly agree. So, Paul, let, let my listeners know where you exist online and your social media. Okay, well, my website is www.coachpaul.expert. You can get me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. And you can, under Paul Stretton Stevens. Also, um, I'm on Facebook, and you can find me there on uh, Paul SS. Perfect. And also you can get me these days on Clubhouse um, at, at Paul SS again. Perfect, Paul. Well, it was a delightful chat with you. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Savio. Thank sure. you for your insights. Sure. Thank you. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.